Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Coaching Confidence. Um, this week, we're going to be doing a little bit of a deep dive into player formations, as well as the evolution of player progression, um, just the style of players, how it's changed over the last, really like the last 20 years specifically. Um, we're also going to do a little bit of a deep dive into, as a coach, how to choose your formation, how to identify what formation your opponents are using, how to counter those formations, and how to know what's best for your team to be using. So this is going to be a really fun podcast. Stay tuned for more. So the first thing we're going to talk about is understanding soccer formations. So your most common soccer formation is going to be what's called a 4-4-2. Soccer formations start from your defense and move up going towards your offense. You never count your goalie because every team has to have a goalie. So if you were counting your goalie, it would be a 1-4-4-2. The numbers have to add up to 11. There's 11 players on the field, but you never count your goalie. So it's just 10 players. So 4-4-2 would be your 10 players right there. 4-4-2 meaning four players on defense four players in the middle of the park, and two on offense, primarily in the other team's half. These are very fluid. They often change all the time. Um, You can have a 4-3-3 where you have three middle players and three up top. You can have um, Arsenal actually plays with a 2-3-4-1. So they play with two defenders hanging a little further back. They'll play with three midfielders slightly in front of them. Four almost um, high midfielders or attackers um, deep in the opponent's line, and then they'll play with one striker even higher than that. That's typically what they look like when they're on offense. Some players play with more players on defense. or I'm sorry, some players will forego some of their players on defense and move them up to offensive positions when their team has the ball. So as you see, these formations are very fluid. Uh, Most teams don't stick to, oh, we're in a 4-3-3, so we only can have three players attack or three players in midfield. It's whatever best suits your team and whatever your team is strong at doing. So what might make this a little bit easier to understand is understanding the numbers behind the positionings within soccer. Um, Oftentimes you see players have numbers on the back of their jerseys and It's not necessarily like basketball where it's kind of like whatever number you want to choose, you can kind of have. I mean, for the most part, you can have whatever number as long as somebody on the team doesn't currently have your number. However, people do choose specific numbers based on the position or the role that they play within a club. Um, Everybody knows Lionel Messi's number 10, but what is a number 10? What does a number 10 do? So to break this down really quickly, we know that there has to be 11 players on the field. So there's 11 starting positions, 11 numbers that will be handed out. Number one is always going to be your goalie. Number two is going to be your right defender. So when we talk about that 4-4-2, that means there's four defenders typically lined up horizontally. That right defender all the way in your back, otherwise called a right back, is going to be your number two. Number three is going to be your left back on the opposite side that left defender hanging the farthest back. And then your number four and five are going to be your two center backs. Um, It doesn't matter if one's a holding or one's a sweeper or one's a stopper. That's what I'm trying to say. They're both number fours and fives. Um, Typically what that means is a sweeper is going to be somebody, I'm sorry, your stopper is going to be somebody who tries to stop the play and jockey and delay the opponent from getting deeper into your half. Once they do, maybe the ball pops out and it's unclean. Your sweeper comes through and sweeps everything up, make sure that the ball is back to the other 
opponent's half. Um, so that's our defensive numbers, number one through four, well, number one through five. Number six is going to be your defensive mid. Um, so this position's changed quite a lot. You could see number sixes. Um, Ngolo Conte, who plays for Chelsea currently, is a number six, plays the role of defensive mid astoundingly. Um, great at stopping the pass, great at getting in between the lines. Um, somebody who's currently doing that really well for, Man- for Manchester United is Casemiro. He's a great number six. Um, however, you'll also see number six who play more similar to a Paul Pogba. Less uh, defensively inclined, focusing on defense a little bit less. However, they hang back and kind of play that low block playmaker where they receive the ball um, right in the right around the middle of the park, maybe a little bit less on maybe a little bit heavier on your side of the pitch. And they're able to deliver long balls, clear clinical passes, 30, 40 yards to their teammates feet so that they can get into their opponent's half a lot faster for a counterattack. Um, so now we're starting to see a little bit of like growth within the, within the positions. I'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, that was number six was our defensive mid. Number seven is a right forward. Or today, um, we don't often see right forwards or right midfielders and stuff like that. That used to be very common less than 20 years ago. Now we'll often see a right wing. Um, so that could be your number seven would be a right wing. Number eight would be your central midfielder. So that's somebody a little bit higher up. That's going to be like your Kevin De Bruyne or your um, trying to think or anybody who's collecting that ball around the middle of the pitch, who's a playmaker. Their primary goal is setting up their teammates as quick as they get the ball. They're looking to move that ball onto a teammate. Um, the people with the, the vision, um, your game changers, all of those people who are in the middle of the park, that's going to be your central mid or your number eight. Your number nine, I know there's a lot of numbers, but we're almost done, guys. A number nine is your striker. And so oftentimes you may hear a comparison. People will say, oh, there's Cristiano Ronaldo, and then there's Ronaldo or R9. So there's CR7 and and R9. CR7 is Cristiano Ronaldo, number seven. He started off as a right forward, um, also played left forward, and that's why he was number seven. Um... Cristiano Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, R9, he was a striker. And so that's why he wore the number nine. His goal, his job was completely entirely to score goals, get that ball near the opponent's box and to put it in the goal. Um, Lastly, I'm sorry, number 10, we have our center attacking mid. That's going to be somebody who's sitting in the middle of the pitch, a little less focused on, um, a little less focused on scoring, a little less focused on defense but very focused on setting up their teammates can also do that scoring role, play like a second striker, but their main goal isn't to necessarily shoot goals. Their main goal is to be that linking part of possession in the opponent's um, third so that they can collect the ball and distribute to their teammates swiftly and quickly. Last one is our left forward. That's our number 11, just like Cristiano Ronaldo on the right. That's going to be somebody who plays on the left side doing basically the same thing. So like many sports, soccer has evolved um, very drastically over the last two decades. And this has resulted in a growth of player positions. When I was growing up um, around the early 2000s, There were left back, right back, center backs. You had your defensive mids, offensive mids, right mid, left mid, striker, et cetera. 
basically the numbers that I just gave out. Now it's actually a lot more nuanced. Um, <clears throat> very rarely do you see, like I said, a right forward or a left forward. You oftentimes see a left wing or a right wing. Um, we very rarely see left mids and right mids. The reason that a wing player has kind of taken over instead of the midfielder or right forward, left forward, is because a wing player is typically a lot faster. And as this game has progressed, soccer is played a lot more on the outside of the pitch. So you need players who are fast and could carry that ball up the sideline and be able to either score or deliver strong passes into the box. And so that's kind of eliminated the need for left midfielders who play offense and defense, kind of a middle ground of both of those. Now it's really just like, okay, if you're a winger, you may be allowed to get away with slacking a little bit more on offense because we have a strong defense behind that. We might even have to fill it up with some center D mids who are extra strong. So it's really understanding what your team is capable of. If you take a look at Liverpool, Liverpool has a right back named Trent Alexander-Arnold who is has a little bit less defensive duties purely because his offensive capabilities are so strong on, on that side of the ball. When he gets the ball, he's able to progress it up the field. He's able to shoot. He's able to create passes. He's one of Liverpool's highest output players currently, um, and he's not playing defense quite that much. However, because that's one of their strongest players on the ball and he has so much skill, they can kind of get away with that by covering with other players. Another team that does this really well is if you look at Morocco in the World Cup. Um, Morocco in the World Cup was playing with their three star players were probably their center mid, Amrabat. They had a right back, um, Ashraf Hakimi, and then they have a right wing, um, Hakim Ziyech. All three of these players were probably the strongest players on Morocco, but they all kind of favored the right side of the pitch. And so what I really liked watching the way that the coach for Morocco would fill in those gaps to help support his players. So recognizing that one of his strongest players was stuck on the defensive line, he decided to stick five players on their defensive line instead of the regular four. What this allowed him to do was when that player received the ball on that right side or when his team undoubtedly moved the ball or tried to progress it up the right side of the pitch because that's where their most creative players were, now this fifth player or this right back who is really strong can easily go with the flow of the game, move up the field without worrying about his space behind him being left open because there's four defenders who can fill out just like most other teams still have. So they did sacrifice going up with two strikers or three strikers or something like that. But they knew that as this right wing and their right back were able to get into the game, they would be able to fill in those spaces a little bit higher. So it's all about truly understanding just where your team, what your team is capable of and how to, how to make them shine. You know what I'm saying? So we started discussing a little bit about players who have broken the general mold of what it's supposed to be like to have a certain position in soccer. Um, I feel like a great example of this that would kind of make it a little bit easier than understanding the Trent Alexander-Arnold. If you don't know who that is, um, I could give you the example of three different goalies. Goalie is a very simple position in soccer. Your job is to keep the ball out of the net. You're the only player on the field who can use their hands for your team. Um, but we have three different styles of goalies. Um, 
One is called a sweeper keeper. This was popularized by the German goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer. Um, this is where he plays a very high line away from his goal line, playing almost like a defender, um, playing maybe 10 to 20 yards behind his defense. So if any ball gets behind them, he can quickly get on that ball using his feet, chest, whatever it needs to do to settle that ball and be a redistributor to get that ball back to the opponent's side. Um, this is very dangerous because you are a little bit away from your goal and you have to be insanely brave to play with your feet that far away from your goal. Um, however, some players and some goalies can be very successful at it. Um, another player who's very successful at using his feet would be the goalie for Manchester City. Um, his name is Ederson. He may not be the most amazing shot stopper in the world, but with the ball at his feet, he can deliver 70, 80 yard passes that'll land perfectly at his teammates' feet while they're full sprinting down the field. And people don't quite understand how difficult that is to, to do, um, to pace that ball, to put it in the line of stride where it's away from a defender landing perfectly for your teammate. That is very, very difficult. Um, and so with him being able to do that from his goalie box, oftentimes Manchester City will start their attacking play through Ederson because they can play him a ball. They can start moving around and looking for open spaces. And most teams aren't going to try to attack and take the ball from a goalie. This allows a free pass, a deep pass into enemy territory that nine times out of 10 is a very clean, risky, dangerous ball for the other team. Lastly, um, we're going to talk about Allison. Allison is the goalkeeper for Liverpool. He is a shot stopper. When I had said that Ederson isn't the best shot stopper, um, when you're looking for a shot stopper, somebody who does not let that ball get in the goal point blank period, Allison is may not be the best at creating offense for his team. He may not be hitting 70 yard passes that could be an assist. He may not be running up the field to play your last defender. However, when that ball comes near his box, he will keep it out your goal. And so there are just different focuses and that that's what you're looking for when you're looking at your team and you have to truly understand, okay, I have a, I have a right back, I have a center back and I have a left back, but my center back is amazing on the ball. Maybe I can start my offense through my center back. If I teach him how to be calm on the ball, if I teach him how to play with his head up towards the other team, maybe he'll understand how to be patient when he's under pressure and how to create passes. So it's all about understanding what your team can do and how that's going to help you guys win. putting confidence in them when they, even when they mess up to go and do what they feel comfortable doing and trusting that in the end, they'll get better at it and they'll be able to help your team. So now you're ready to decide what's your formation going to be. First things first, you have to take a full account for who do you have on your team? Is your goalie a very strong goalie with their hands? Are they very confident coming out of the box? On defense, once I move that ball up, I, I like to think of it starting from my goalie. Is my goalie going to be able to deliver 30-yard passes consistently to players while they're moving? If not, okay, well, my goalie may not be the one able to start my offense. So let's start my offense on defense. Will it be my outside mids or my outside uh, right back and left back that are very fast and technical with the ball? Can they dribble past players and possibly move the ball up the field for me? Or do I have a center back who's very calm on the ball, who has great vision and who can deliver long balls consistently under pressure? If I have any one of those, let's start my offense through there. If I don't have that, 
all right, maybe my team will drop back a little bit deeper and we try to start our offense from the midfield. Maybe I have a very technical center midfield who can turn very quickly on the ball and I can play him a ball at his feet and now we're instantly going into attack even if he was just facing my goal. So understanding where you have, this is just going to happen from working with your team for several weeks. But once you understand that, that's how you start to build up your offense moving forward. Typically, I would say if you have a very strong team, if you have anybody on your defense or anybody that seems very game, like they have a lot of game sense, I would try to put those people who understand the game to give them a little bit more space. Either I would put them on defense so they have a little bit more time to think, and then that'll help you um, give your team more time to space out and find find open areas. This person who has the ball, if they're soccer savvy, like that's why we're putting them back here. They'll have a little more time to deliver passes and to make mistakes and stuff like that. Yes, it's going to be risky because they're back close to your goal. However, they're going to go grow confident because they'll have more time away from other players. If It's scary to be in the middle of the park when you're really young and you have all these players around you and everybody's yelling for you to pass and all this stuff. It feels like you're rushing. So give those players a little bit of time to develop, pull them out of all of that mess, give them time to play under pressure and you can move them up through there. If your team isn't very technical and you don't think, okay, maybe I might not have a very technical squad to build around, your goal is defense. You can build a very defensive team that can stop other people. And the way you can do this is by building a solid line where you have maybe three to four to even possibly five defenders that push your team, that push the opposing team further outside of the middle of the park. If you can consistently push the out the team to the outsides of the park, that's going to eliminate a lot of shot opportunities and it's going to limit that angle where their shots are coming from. That's going to mean your goalie's going to have a lot easier of a time stopping those shots, collecting those shots and going right back out to attack because now the middle of the park isn't clogged up. The last thing I want to touch on is attacking in the final third or attacking close to your opponent's goal. Um, this can often be a tricky discussion or people are trying to figure out how exactly should my team attack? Should we use short passing, long passing, crosses, all of that good stuff? Um, my answer to that would be same thing as before, understanding the players you have at your disposal. Um, I think where the United States men's team went wrong in the World Cup was that they solely relied on the corners as well as crosses into the middle of the park. Um, sadly, the United States men's team is not nearly as big as some of the teams we were playing. And so we were not able to get a lot of those headers that we were hoping to get throughout the games. However, if you look at a team like Manchester City, Manchester City is primarily a pretty small team. However, their striker is six foot nine, huge mass muscular guy. And he's able to get a lot of headers. He's able to get a lot of push-offs to the body and stuff like that to create his own space. So Manchester City has changed their play style recently to a lot of short passing until they get into the final third. And once they're in that final third, they're trying to either deliver a ball in the air to his head because most other defenders can't keep up with him or a quick low ball to the ground where he can poke it in or tap it in as quick as possible. So now that they have a dedicated striker who knows how to play in that area, they can send balls into that area that are a lot more dangerous. While another team like PSG, who has three amazing strikers, probably three of the best players in the world right now, 
they don't have a dedicated striker who they're going to send that ball into his feet or that ball to his head. And so what PSG does is they're going to try to move the team, the opposing teams around. They're going to be playing lots of short passes, lots of interchanging of positions. Mbappe may come from that left forward position and play in the center. You may see Messi come from that right forward position, play in the center. You may see Neymar go over to the left or the right. And so all this interchanging of, of or transitioning of their, of their players creates artificial transitions within the other team. And then the other team is out of position. They're trying to keep up. And as soon as there's a moment uh, a a second of laps where they can create the space to shoot, especially if they're in front of the box or in front of the 18, that's when one of those three strikers is going to rip a shot on goal. And so there's a lot more nuanced, a lot more uh, technical, but it's still a very beautiful, um, great way to play. It just takes a lot more understanding and team fluidity. Um, so if you do have a team that's able to do that, I think that's great. And that's honestly what's, where soccer is primarily moving towards. Um, it's definitely becoming a lot more of a technical game than it has been in the prior 20 years and stuff like that. That's why you'll see players like Messi and Ronaldo, who were 18, 19 years old, able to win Ballon d'Ors versus a player like Mbappe, who's at the same age. However, with the, the growth in medicine and athletics and all that other stuff, a 17, 18-year-old is not going to be able to go up against these grown men like they used to 20 years ago. So I love, I say all this to say, I know it's a long podcast, but soccer is growing. It's growing so, so quickly. So keep your eyes on it. If you think that's something you can try something or change a position and do something new, try it, do it. That's the only way that people have ever made any growth within this game. I started off when I was playing, I was a left back. By the time I graduated, I was playing left wing. And my play style never changed. Just the 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 wording around the game changed. What people were looking for or from me changed. And regardless, I was focused on playing offense and shooting from the left side majority of the game. I was great at defense and I loved playing defense, but that's primarily where I played. So don't ever feel like if you have a tall player, he has to play goalie or this player has to play that. Try moving them around. Try understanding what they're good at. If they're good with their hands, if they're good with their feet, if they're calm, if they're fast, all of those things can make big changes moving forwards. Continue coaching and confidence. I'll see you guys next week.